Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Not now, Beyonce. Not now. I'm drowning. Oh my God! Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys! Jake has a podcast. I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my God! Oh my God! What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. Girl. We got some shit to talk about today. Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter just announced the Renaissance World Tour and you bet your bottom dollar I will be in that audience, mama. You guys, this week we have some steaming piping Broadway tea. We we gotta talk about Justin David Sullivan opting out of eligibility for a Tony nom because there isn't a category that would allow a non-binary person to be nominated. If you don't know, Justin David Sullivan um, is a non-binary actor, and they're currently starring in Anne Juliet on Broadway, and they recently came out on social media with a statement saying that as a non-binary performer, playing a non-binary principal on Broadway, they are opting out of eligibility for Tony noms because they would feel incorrect being nominated in either a male category or a female category. And I, I honestly, I think it's like a little ridiculous that it's 2023 and we still have not adjusted to the landscape of current musical theater. Non-binary people are not new. This isn't a new thing. We've always been around. As someone who identifies as non-binary, this is really frustrating and it's getting old, baby. It's getting old, baby boo. But it's really unfortunate because, you know, the Tonys are kind of like the, the pinnacle of what we have come to know as commercial success. So for someone to get to this point, to be playing a principal role in a Broadway show, originating a role that's non-binary, and then for them to not feel like they can step into ownership of it because of the gendered binary awards system is just really, it's tired, mama. It's tired. And in other Tony news, it was just announced that the Tony administration committee ruled that Tony voters don't even have to see every nominated show to vote, which I'm like, what? What kind of backwards ass? Who? Whatever. The Tonys, what are you doing? Girl, in other news, we got to talk about Miss Stephanie J. Block in her new Sunset Boulevard photos. She's playing Norma Desmond at the Kennedy Center, and she looks absolutely unreal. 
Also, hi, Derek Klenna. You look great. But I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Miss Block. I think she's going to kill it. And also, one other really exciting piece of news is that a dear friend of mine, Miss Sarah Killo, is going to be taking over a principal role in the show Leopoldstadt. Sarah's been with the show for a while and um, is a cover. But in March, I believe, she gets to take over for the principal role, Ava. So yay, yay, congratulations, Miss Killo. I cannot wait to see it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest. She is a Broadway veteran. She's a wife and a mother. And she also has one of the most incredible and versatile voices on Broadway. Please welcome Miss Kathy Voitko. Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> Welcome. It's my favorite name for a podcast ever. <laughs> One of the best and most underrated Broadway shows ever, in my opinion. Come on, Legally Blonde. And my daughters are obsessed with it. I never did it, but my daughter, like, I started to know it just through my kids, which is outrageous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you? Where are you calling from? I'm calling you from Bloomfield, New Jersey. That's where I pretend to be a grown-up. Um, we've been here, oh my gosh, 19 years. Wow. <laughs> Hold on, let me grab my eye cream. Yeah. We've been here about 19 <laughs> years. Um, back when we were wanting to buy, I remember we looked at a bunch of places in Manhattan. We looked at a bunch of places in Queens. We looked in uh, West New York, and I just could not wrap my head around being a small town girl at heart because I'm from Western Pennsylvania. I could not wrap my head around Manhattan prices. And I was like, screw this. And I had some friends who lived in Jersey and I was like, I, I can't believe it. I'm apparently I'm a Jersey girl. I never thought I would be. Where I am. <laughs> yes, totally. Well, I mean, the prices alone are, are just worth, <laughs> worth crossing the water. And I knew that I wanted two enormous dogs, and I knew eventually I wanted to try to have kids, and that all happened. So I'm glad I'm here. Yes, absolutely. You had the the room to <laughs> expand. Um, so you live with your husband and children. Do you want to mention um, who your husband is? Or <laughs> um, I I have the most boring cliche story ever. I fell in love with 
my Raoul in Phantom of the Opera. I was um, the understudy Christine and he was the understudy Raoul. And we ended up at understudy rehearsals all the time. And we eventually realized that neither of us were melodramatic like our characters. We were both ridiculous fools in real life. So we kept cracking each other up through all the melodrama. And I would, every now and again, I'd throw in a Pratt fall during All I Ask of You, during rehearsal, not on stage. Um, <laughs> and we just got to be pals and started dating. And uh, then I took over one of the Christines and he took over Ralph and we played opposite each other for a good year and a half. And then I left the tour, uh, this was the Broadway tour, and I left the tour about six months before he did. And we got to sort of figure out if it was a showmance or not. And then a year later we were engaged and a year after that we were married. Wow, that I, I love it though, because I don't think of it as, as cliche. I think of it as like how special that like you get to be 100% yourself through through a rehearsal process or through a musical process and then it just you know it's crazy I mean we've been married 19 years now which is no small feat in our industry and um, we've had uh, you know our amazing years and we've had our crap years but here we are and, and we're kind of proud of ourselves because Hell we yeah. have done the work. We have done the work. <laughs> We've done the work, mama. <laughs> Truly. Well, what? and I, I never got um, to see you do Christine, but I did get to see John play um, play the Phantom. And so it's just... You got, like, I did get to see him play the Yeah, him. so it's just so funny. He was that... dreamy as the Phantom. Oh, of course. he's dreamy now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so you and I met... Um, when we did a production at Hartford Stage called The Flamingo Kid. It was written by Scott Ebersold and Robert Friedman. Nice. And we had the pleasure of being directed by Tony winner, Dargo Treznak. What was your um, your path to that show? I know you had previously worked with a couple of the people on the production team with that, but how did you end up getting um, you know interested in the show and then eventually booking it? Well, it's a funny thing. I had done... I joined the cast of The Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder right after the Tonys. They realized that they needed more coverage because they only had one female swing, one male swing, and a standby for Jefferson Mays. Um, and they were like, holy crap, we just want a Tony. We're going to run. We need some more cover. So um, I originally started there just as a vacation cover, and then I ended up staying for two years for the rest of the run. Wow. So I got to know, yeah, I got to go know Darko, and I got to know, um, I already knew Stephen Lutback. He was my very first vocal coach in the city when I was 21. He's a composer. Oh, how special. And so, yes. So I already knew Steve, but I uh, met Darko and Robert through that process. Um, and so I already knew them. And then I got to know, hmm, I got to know Scott. Oh, I, I had a callback to stand by for Patty Lacone for War Paint. Oh, uh, um, yes. And uh, and it was funny because Scott said, Kathy, how did you do this accent? Because it was a, you know, a wacky accent. And I said, oh, I, I'm, my whole family is Slovak and my great grandmother only spoke Slovak. So I, I'm familiar with that Eastern European sound, and I just sort of imitated Great Grandma Voiko. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious, and I didn't get that standby position, but he sent me the nicest direct message and said, you know, kid, we love you. You're too young to stand by for Patty. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we were friendly, and so then when I auditioned, uh, I did a workshop of the Flamingo Kid, so I guess I'd never really auditioned. 
they just said, hey, will you be with me back on to pop in this reading? And mm -hmm. said, great. And then I did like two or three more readings and I just stayed that same character for our production. And it was so funny. You truly were like one of the, the highlights of the entire show. And honestly, a highlight of my experience getting to do the show. <laughs> well, if you would have told me when I was 20 that I would be in my 40s wearing a leopard bikini on stage, I would have been like, F you, no way. But um, there it is. Two kids. Leopard bikini. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Two kids who's got it. costume designer. Um, she was amazing and funny. And she, she asked if I was okay with that. And I said, yeah, can I maybe just have a little modesty with a see-through short sarong or something like that? And she was like, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so fun. I, it was fun to be a cougar. I would like to do more cougars, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you have a great chance at that, Miss <laughs> Boyko. Well, I mean, if you're casting, I'm available. So. Oh, you know I am. So having, <laughs> having worked on two major Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, obviously Phantom of the Opera, and then you got to play Ava on the Broadway tour of Evita. Did you did you work closely with, with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Hilariously, no. I've met him a couple times, but he was not directly involved with either show I did. However, I got to work with Hal Prince on all of the Phantom of the Opera stuff because um, back then, Back then, she says, um, <laughs> yeah. a cigarette her martini. Um, back <laughs> then, Hal Prince had final say on any principle. So you couldn't even be cast unless Hal saw you and made you be okay. And then he would come and give notes and things like that. And so I knew Hal a little bit. And I was also fortunate to do a workshop of Bounce, the musical, which is a Sondheim musical, um, which became Wise Guys. It was based on the Meisner brothers. But Hal uh, was casting that. And so I got to know Hal Prince quite well. Um, Hal was directing that, not only casting it, but directing as well. And then when I did the 25th anniversary tour of Evita, uh, Larry Fuller was putting it up, but Hal was there every day directing. So they kept sort of co-directed that one, but it was really cool because Hal had all his original notes and all of his original ideas and he shared those with us and some of those i guess he hadn't brought out that stuff in a lot of years so for the 25th anniversary he and larry fuller were so hands-on larry fuller was the original choreographer and he reset all yeah. that stuff um and it was just a delight to work with him every day and said this got changed over the years but i want to go back to what my original idea was and it was just it was one of those things that i i I feel like sometimes you're experiencing something and you're not appreciating it in the moment, but in that moment, I really was because, right. Oh, oh my God, I'm working with this legend of a man and this is my third or fourth time working with him. And I, I just was soaking it all in. He was, may he rest in peace. He was a delicious, wonderful, fabulous man. Wow. That's incredible. Did you, <laughs> did you feel the weight of um, playing such a huge and iconic role? Ava? Yes. Particularly, Ava, because people are so opinionated. And people love you or they hate you, and there's very few in between. And, um, <laughs> there was some city, it was hilarious. I, I wish I could remember which city it was, but there was some city that I got the best review I've ever gotten in my life. It was like, this is the best Ava since Elaine Page. And, sure, and I was like, oh, my God. But that very same night, there was another reviewer who was like, she stinks, she can't sing, she can't dance, she can't act. Oh my God. 
painted me with the venom of a thousand snakes in it. it <laughs> I was like, well, there it is. I mean, that's just how our industry is. And I totally actually, uh, now now that I'm a woman of a certain age, I can embrace that. But at the time, I was like, I can't read any of them now. Mortified. They yeah. All affect me. Whether right. They're good they affect me whether they're bad they affect me and i was talking to hal about it and he gave me the best piece of advice i've ever gotten in my life he said honey whose opinion do you care about more mine or some reviewer whose name you're not going to remember in 30 days and i was like i actually do care about your opinion more (laughs) 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 but but it's true i mean any i think that that's the sign of doing something interesting if people have such strong opinions. Sure. hate you or hate your, that's actually kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually only doing what I was asked to do, but you hate what I was asked to do. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. That's what I like about the arts is that they make people feel. Sometimes they make you feel terrible. Sometimes they make you feel amazing, but that's that's what we want. We want people to have a strong reaction. So hell yeah! I think I was talking to Beth Malone a few a few weeks ago about how you know the fabulous Beth Malone. Yeah. Oh, she has just incredible, and she she had some really interesting thoughts about you know what what it means to make art and what you know how it can how it really can affect people and and also affect you as the artist when you are so so immersed in a character and a story for so long. It's always fascinating to me. I did Oklahoma was my very first Broadway show. And I got cast in Oklahoma. Oh, gosh, it was six weeks after 9-11, maybe six, six to eight weeks after. And um, wow. it, it was just a Crazy. big, beautiful uh, Trevor Nunn directed and Susan Stroman choreographed. And it was just a big, lovely R&H that we needed after 9-11. Because even though there are dark moments in Oklahoma, ultimately, it's a lovely, lighter story. And, oh. Right, well, and like the orchestrations are so lush yeah. and like the and colors we were there are so beautiful. The Gershwin, free wicked, free wicked. And um, <laughs> big, humongous. It was just kind of lovely and it was a lovely way to come back after 9-11. And the audiences said as much. They were like, we needed this right now in our life. Yeah, and that's I'm sure. sort of how the Music Man was after the shutdown throughout the pandemic. A lot of people who were lucky enough to get our very expensive tickets were um, delighted <laughs> to come to such a fun, happy, feel-good musical instead of yes. something dark at this point. And I'm all for it. I, I, I like them all. Totally, totally. Um, tell me about your experience with Music Man. Had you worked with... Um... With Sutton Foster or Hugh Jackman before that show? No, I never had. I I was a big fan of Sutton because um, I we debuted. I mean, I I was on during Oklahoma while she was doing Thoroughly Modern Millie, and I remember being at the Tonys rehearsal, watching her sing center stage at the rehearsal, wow. going, "That girl is extraordinary," and I was really tickled watching her and. And then when she won that night, it was thrilling. And I was lucky enough to see the show. So I thought she was fantastic. And I saw her do Shrek and I saw her do Violet. So I, I've been a fan. I've been, you know, stalker fan, low level. Um, <laughs> didn't know her, but we have a pack of the same pals. So I knew that she was cool as well. Um, yeah. When you're cast as a cover, 
it's tricky because you never want to get in anybody's space. You never want to um, right. make them think that you are like, I want your job. That's not yeah. me. It's never been me. I'm just happy right. to be in the room. Um, and I remember <laughs> I just wanted to tread lightly because I, my, literally my happiest days at work were when everyone is doing their job that they were hired to do. Because if yes. I was on stage, that meant somebody was ill, sick, injured, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, you know, so that's a weird place to be. But anyway, she's fantastic. And I had never, I met Hugh, ironically, backstage at the Tonys for that same year. That Sutton won. Um, Hugh, wow. was, Hugh was introducing and he was a uh, um, introducing Best Survival that year because our production of Oklahoma, he had done the same production in the West End. Uh, Patrick Wilson took over because he was doing some film or something, so he couldn't come do it on Broadway, but Patrick Wilson did. And Hugh announced it with Joanna Gleason. And so we got to meet him real briefly, but um, no, this is my first time working with him and he's a total jerk. Oh, oh my God, I'm kidding. He's, <laughs> Just he's, the absolute he's, worst. No, he's the greatest. He's so much fun. <laughs> he's the biggest, hardest working person in the room. Um, I often tell the story during rehearsals for Music Man, we were rehearsing, 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 and as a swing or a standby or a cover, you don't get to be on this stage proper with everybody rehearsing. You're wildly taking right. notes. You might be off in the corner trying to keep up with the choreography, or if somebody has a costume fitting, then you might jump in. In this mm -hmm. case, there that happened very few times, and we were on a 10-minute break, and all the swings and dance captains and everybody just you know ran to the the open space and we were just going over that combination that Warren Carlisle had just taught. And Hugh came back after like two minutes of the 10 minute break and went, you guys, can I go over that with you? Cause I, I, I gotta go over that too. Like he's that kind of person. He jumped yeah. in with the swings and standbys to go over something on his break, which he absolutely Amazing. did not have to do, but that was him every day. So nobody in that room was working harder than he was. So not only a leader, um, as far as fun and cast activity, but a leader in work ethic. And I truly respect that. Totally. I think, I, I mean, everyone that I've talked to who's had the, the great pleasure of working with him just has nothing but wonderful things to say about him. Um, obviously there was uh, the video of yeah. you and Hugh <laughs> at your curtain call for when, I think it was your first performance as Marion. Fourth preview, yes. <laughs> Fourth preview, yes. Can you speak to what what it was like um, having such a, a huge and like positive reaction from basically from the world after having that video go so so viral? Well, in all honesty, that whole day is is a little fuzzy, blurry. But um, I will say, I was just at a costume fitting at noon that day. I got a call from our production stage manager, and it just said, "Kathy, you're on for Mary," and I went okay and um for those of you who might not know during previews no understudy particularly during previews uh post pandemic shutdown we weren't even allowed on the stage the swings and offstage people we whoa were trying to keep the number of people backstage during tech really as low as possible and then sure as, our, as, our, as the music man that was really tricky so we were we the covers were all in the mezzanine we hadn't even been on stage except for the first day walkthrough of the theater oh my we were not god backstage we weren't allowed in the wings so when i tell you i didn't know much of anything i only knew it reversed and watching from the mezzanine <laughs> holy cow <laughs> and it's hilarious to 
to me now just to even think that I don't know what drugs I was on that I even said yes, but I don't know. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, well, I've done my homework. I can probably do it. Uh, <laughs> so, but now, like, it makes me have flat sweat just thinking about it. But yeah. Like, again, I don't know, fueled by whatever adrenaline hit me that day. Um, anyway, so by about 1 o'clock, um, we were in rehearsal, and the production stage manager said, what do you need? And I said, I would like to run everything in order because I don't know the show well enough to go out of order yet. And the reason I say that is because normally when you're doing a, a quick put in, emergency put in, you hit the biggest things first and then you let the cast that isn't needed go or, or whatever. Right. But everybody was there, everybody was game. And we just ran through the whole thing once. We ran through Mary and the Librarian probably two or three times because that was really intricate with a lot of throwing of books and props and people spinning and yes probable death if I was in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> so, but everything else we did basically once, maybe one and a half. Um, and I didn't have any costumes yet. Uh, oh my god! I had one of my own costumes which I wore all during Act One while they furiously raised a hem or two. And put a stitch here and there in Sutton so I could wear hers for Act Two. Sure. And it, uh, Sutton's almost two inches taller than I am, so they had it so so that I wouldn't die. They had, (laughs) you know, mercifully I could squeeze into them otherwise, but they were a little long, so they did the amazing wardrobe team did a quickie, and uh, I wore most of her stuff for Act Two. And again. My husband said, hey, should we come? And I said, no, because he was going to come with the girls. And I said, I have so many things on the brain that I will be worried about you guys instead of right. worried about what. <laughs> um, but my one of my best friends, Sean Allen Crow, and his husband, Harry Booty, did come. Yes, um, Harry. They were, they were the only people. I, 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 just, I just texted them, and I was like, you guys, this is bananas. Um, I could really have some pals <laughs> in the audience. So they are there. But I, I just got through the show, and everyone was so kind and so encouraging. And something's amazing dresser, Julian, said, what do you need? And I said, I want you to carry my script with me all night, just in case. And um, he said, okay, do you want to do over wardrobe changes? And I said, nope. I said, just tell me where I meet you after the scene. Okay, you yep. meet me stage left wing two. Great. Do you want to know the next one? And I said, nope, I'm going to ask you the same thing when I come off stage next time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> had a little information in my head yeah but i knew that Hugh was going to say something after the show because he said oh i'm going to talk and i I literally thought he was just going to say hey this is my friend kathy and and thanks for staying here and watching the show you know blah blah right then when when he pulled up all my pals in the cast who were also on stage because we with covid we got hit hard and we had 10 people out that night so we had internal covers we had every swing on stage um the only person that wasn't was our standby max clayton um and everybody was just sort of linking elbows and doing what they could to keep the show going wow you brought out every single person who was on the cover that night and that was extraordinary i had no idea that people were going to record that i had no idea i mean it was bananas bananas i'm um, sure the next day, hilariously, the next day, we had off. It was Christmas Eve, and my husband and I had a lot of last-minute stuff to do, so I was not online. 
Uh-huh. I was shopping for my kids. I was wrapping gifts. I was doing all the, the mom and dad stuff. And then sometime that afternoon, my girlfriend, Pamela, Bob said, oh my gosh, I've shared your video and it's been viewed a million times and it's been reshared. I don't know how many times. And I said, what are you talking about? Like I had no idea (laughs) because I hadn't been online all day long. And the first, when they say your phone blows up with text messages, I mean, it was, I felt like I was being punked. Like it was ridiculous. Totally. Well, I think part of the reason why people were so drawn to the video, obviously because Hugh was so, so lovely and generous to to you and all of the standbys and swings, but um, for people who may not even be necessarily theater people, that's a really special and kind of eye-opening thing to see. It's like, wow, I didn't even know that somebody could cover, what, what did you cover, 11 people in the show or something ridiculous? Like Eight, no, I covered eight, but my friend Ryan, uh, our dance captain Ryan and our dance captain Maria, they covered essentially 30 people because they don't have to only cover right. what they are assigned to. A dance ca- captain can go on for anybody. Totally. I mean, it's it's kind of just insane. So for people who really had no frame of reference, you know, and then for, for Hugh to say, yeah, this is Kathy. She just um, got the call today that she is going to go on for the lead and, you know, like four previews in. That's just kind of kind of wild. I mean, my my Chicago experience is, um, is a little similar just because I had essentially no no time before. Like the last time I went into the show, um, they called me the day up. I was just sitting on my couch <laughs> at 1 p.m. and they said, are you in the city and are you available? <laughs> and I said, I sure am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that the coolest thing was that people across the globe were direct messaging me and saying, please thank you. I'm still trying to explain to my family after 10 years of doing this what a swing is or thank, please thank you. Covers never get that kind of recognition. Yes. And so many people just wanted me to say, you thank you for just shining a little spotlight on this so that people even understand that that exists. And maybe not to go, um, when you get the slip of paper in your playbill, maybe go, oh my gosh, this might be something neat. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> and I always am excited uh, because you know that covers and swings they are so excited. I mean, obviously you're like kind of scared shitless too, but like that opportunity, you know, you're not, <laughs> you're not necessarily tired or, or, um, well, everybody's on their toes because that's a new energy. That's a new person to play with. That's a new person volleying the ball your way. So everything might be on, exactly. you know, and again, I'm sure sometimes it can all fall to shit, but most of the time, a swing or a cover will rise to the occasion because that's what we do. That's what we are trained to do. And also, most of us had to go through the same crazy, lengthy audition process as any other part, even more so. Yeah, probably even more. Yeah, because we have to be approved not only by the director, the choreographer, the music department, everybody. Because invariably, you're going to have to do several things, not just one thing. So right. I feel like we are vetted more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So switching gears a little bit, I would love to hear what your experience was like working on the frogs. Well, let me tell you, first of all, when I went to college at Shenandoah Conservatory, we had uh, a lot of sightseeing, a lot of oral still training. And I remember being a snot-nosed 
college kid going, this is really excessive. It's not like we're going to have to sight read someone. (laughs) 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 And then the hand of fate came and smacked me upside the head and said, oh, yes, you're going to have to sight read Sondheim in front of Sondheim. (laughs) That's so rude. (laughs) That's nightmare material. It is nightmare material. Um, I played played Ariadne, um, and I was the love interest of Dionysus, played by Nathan Lane. That was a little intimidating because Nathan had rewritten the book along with Stephen Sondheim. They had rewritten Bert Shalov's uh, book. Yes. And what used to be a a one-act, they made it into a two-act musical. And it was, it was really, I enjoyed it. Susan Sermon directed it, and I really enjoyed it. It was weird and bizarre and wacky, but boy, it was really cool at the same time. And Lincoln Center just made it a beautiful visual production as well. Mm-hmm. And Susan Stroman's choreography was great, and it was, it was really neat. Again, a niche audience. It wasn't for everybody, <laughs> but um, it was definitely really cool to watch from the ground up a Sondheim production, and for him to bring us new sheets of lyrics. Wow. And put them in the show that night. Right. And there was one time, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's 100% true, we got a whole new set of, like, three stanzas of, of new lyrics, oh of Sondheim God. rhyming lyrics, Right. that we had to incorporate that night. And we, who were the Greek chorus when we weren't our parts, were so nervous about it that we said to stage management, can we have these subtly glued to the set? <laughs> and they did. Oh my like, that's God. how hard they were. So we had, we had little cue cards on the set because it was so weird. <laughs> a teleprompter for... So I know it was like it was like having a teleprompter. And honestly, now I have to ask some of our pals because now I can't remember. But I don't remember if that set of lyrics stayed or if we went back to the original lyrics. But we were so panicked that we had little cue cards on the set. <laughs> that's amazing. But it was great. I, I loved it. And learning Sondheim is like a, a strange advanced music theory course anyway. Yeah. And um, it, it was terrific. And I got to work with fantastic Paul Gemignani as the conductor. And it was, it was a delight. And how was working directly with Stephen Sondheim? Were you, was it daunting at first? Oh, yeah. At first, I was really intimidated, and I couldn't even look at him. I, I just felt like averting my eyes. I just felt <laughs> I felt not worthy. But um, eventually, just watching his incredible sense of humor and his amazingly gifted brain work its magic was, it was just thrilling. I, I can't say enough. And it was also neat, because he was not so married to anything that he wouldn't chuck it if he didn't think it was working. That was neat, too, because, uh, you know, sometimes you hear someone say, no, that that, that has to stay. And, and he felt, I don't know, it was neat to watch him go, no, that doesn't work, chuck it. Or I'm going to rewrite that. With absolutely yeah. no, he, I mean, obviously he has ego, but no, no ego about that, about that part of the process right. was neat. Wow, that is really, really cool. So do you have, do you have a favorite, um, either role or theatrical project that you have gotten to work on? Oh gosh, I have, I have different favorites for different things. Like one of my favorite things I've done recently was to do the Bridges of Madison County in Chicago at the Lincolnshire Theater with my lovely yes. pal, Nate Sampley, Nathaniel Sampley. It was really neat because we got to do it 
in the round, which made everything really intimate and very present. Uh -huh. I think you have to do it in such a natural style. And our director, Nick Bowling, said um, he was actually from Iowa, and he said, I want to come at this from a different angle than you may have seen before. And I was like, bring it. And he said, we all know that this relationship is doomed to fail. We all know that. Right. So Going in. let's have the best time we can on the way there. So he made it so much fun that we got to see these two really make each other laugh. Like he really leaned into that part of it of the fun and the excitement on the way to the affair that right. it, it was such a delight to do every night and I, I would still be doing it right now if they would have let me stay. Um, wow. It was it was delicious. And that score, of course, Jason Robert Oh Brown my God, is, what I would pay to hear you sing that freaking genius. Score. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I, I loved it. Oh, I never got tired of it. I was devastated, you know, when the end of the run happened because it was yeah. such a special experience. Um, uh, I wildly love A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, too. Um, Steve and Robert's work on that was so fantastic. And I that was the first time I ever had swung anything in my life. And I got to cover all six women. I never went on for the old lady, sadly, but I went on for everybody else a lot. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I loved playing Phoebe. I loved playing Sabella. I loved playing Lady Eugenia. I loved, I mean, oh, yeah. I loved them all. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, what was your favorite? And I said, it depends on the day. Like, that's how delicious all those characters were. Yeah. And I think that as an actor, that is just heaven when you can't even pick a favorite and you enjoy them so much. Totally. Not to mention well, watching yeah. Jefferson Mays uh, masterclass every truly. day. Truly. I think you even, I, I remember, I remember you, um, telling me a story of how there was a day where um, I think like the matinee you were on for Sabella and then the evening performance you were on for Phoebe. Yeah, that that's a little bit like that game where you pat your stomach and rub your head. <laughs> I, yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. a little brain fight. But again, uh, you just have to rise to Jefferson's energy level, which nobody, nobody can even come close, but I've, <laughs> I've tried. Uh, but yeah, he... I'm a big fan of Jefferson Mays, and um, I that was such a such a delight. I, I love that too. But again, I think that my favorite show is that one that I'm working on now. Like anything that I'm just digging into and trying to figure it out, and given the opportunity to play, I mean that's what we do. We are paid to play, and I I think that that's the best part of our job. Yeah. And why it's devastating when we're not working because we're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Part of my soul is missing. I need to figure out a character and share it with people. Exactly. Well, um, it's funny that you mentioned Sean and Harry earlier because they are both now diving into rehearsals for Parade, which is parade, so exciting. Yes. I, I I got to work with um, Harry. I was Harry's understudy in Gypsy this past summer. Um, oh, fantastic. And it was, I mean, Harry's just such a delight, but um, I'm so excited for, for them both that they get to do the show together and Harry gets to make his to Broadway debut. It. Oh, I, I love that score so much and I'm, I'm delighted. Yes. Um, so when you do a show out of town, like, like how you mentioned Bridges was done in Chicago, how do you balance the, the dynamic of focusing on the show and the role and the work while being away from your your daughters and your husband? 
it's definitely um, been a roller coaster. Uh, and sometimes we've been really successful and sometimes we have nearly fallen on our faces. Um, that particular time worked out well for us because it was a summer. It was their summer show. So they were kind enough to give me housing for the whole family. So my husband and both of my daughters came and we were just tourists in Chicago all summer long. And it was fantastic. Um, some of the shows, uh, we've been away longer than that from each other. And that's super hard on our marriage and that's super hard on our kids. So yeah, we eventually had to sort of make the decision to try to do less out of town or less long runs out of town. Um, unless we could all come together because that's what you have to decide eventually because, you know, there have been times that our, our schedules have sucked so hard that we felt like we were not doing anything well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I'm you're sure. not giving enough time to all your buckets and all the buckets were empty. So yes, for our sanity, yeah, we, we've been, we've been a little <laughs> bit better about choosing, um, but it takes some it takes some trial and error. You go, okay, that didn't work. Uh, can't do that again. Yeah. But but mostly, I, I think that it's a it's a sleep deprivation situation. Mostly, I, for the past couple of years, I've been sleep deprived, and I learned how to function in that way. And coffee is my best friend, and um, chocolate, and that's all I can recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I even remember I remember being so impressed um, that you were doing Flamingo Kid in Hartford and still, you know, your family was living in New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Truly. There was a day where, um, you know, rehearsal finished maybe like an hour early and you were just beyond stoked to just run to the car and get back to your kiddos. And I was like, wow, that, that's so amazing to see because I think for a lot of, um, aspiring actors, you know, performers, uh, it can be a really daunting thing to think about, you know, like I have to focus on my career. How am I ever supposed to strike the balance yeah. at finding, you know, committed relationships and, and having children and all of that? I think it's really difficult for some people. Right. I think just being on the same page is, is where it all comes to, whether uh, it's about your kids or your family or your dogs or anything. It's about being on the same page as your partner and, like I told you, sometimes I was on the same page with my partner and sometimes I was not. And, and God bless therapy and God bless exactly. all that stuff for <laughs> helping us figure it out. But um, for me, I think that it's just as important to know that you want kids as it is to know that you don't want kids. Mm -hmm. It's just as important to know that you want a dog as it is that you don't want a dog. It's just important to know that you want a partner as you don't. Those are all choices we make. And I think that part of the thing is about the arts. I my kids never had a single day of daycare in their life. They because we didn't work nine to five, and that's when daycare is. They had a series of babysitters, but mostly I think that I, as particularly when they were little, I saw my kids more than a nine to fiver does. Right now that my kids are middle school and, and approaching high school. If I'm doing a night show, I will see them less because they're in school all day. So it's a weird sort of thing like there are pluses and minuses about the nine to five schedule and there are pluses and minuses about uh, a broadway schedule mm -hmm. so I, I think that because that's all my kids have ever known <laughs> yeah uh, apart from when my husband or i are off doing symphonies you know those are quick and then they get to be with us a lot and 
as when Music Man closed on the January 15th, I said, okay, ladies, you're going to be real sick of mom soon because I am going to be all up in your face. And they're <laughs> laughing and they're like, no, we want to spend more time with you for now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's very lucky. But I think that um, the first year or two that you have small people, it's, it's a huge transition and it's awful. And then you sort of figure it out and you find a coasting speed. Sure. But I feel like that's, with any Everything. relationship, kid, parent, lover, whatever. I mean, you, you hit your bumps along the way and how you go over them is how your life's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one more thing. You mentioned how Music Man just closed January 15th after a really successful, I mean, a year long run. And I loved seeing on social media that you were like, Back to the grindstone, baby. We're auditioning again. I was like, (laughs) can you speak to that experience? Well, I have to put that stuff because some people say, oh, you did a Broadway show, you're set. False. That's not how, I mean. At least not in my, not in my case. Um, Like I've done eight Broadway shows and three, you know, national tours and symphony jobs, but even still. You know, it's back to the drawing board. Yeah. I always joke that nobody gets into the arts for the job security. Nope. That's not why we're here. Right. Um, nobody can talk you into the arts. Nobody can talk you out of the arts. If this is something that you have to pursue, you simply have to. Mm-hmm. And part of the pursuit is the auditioning process. Unless you are so lucky that you're offer only, but I really only know a handful of people who are offer only. Um and most of them have lots of movie cred. I do not. Uh, <laughs> Which is a shame. I want you on my TV. Thank you, thank you. I keep saying that I want to be um, the best friend that we love to hate. I be a bad <laughs> you know, I want to be a character that everybody loves to hate. I- I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, the best. Um, some sort of um, Agatha all along type of character I would enjoy. Um, but anyway, I think that auditioning is part of the thing. I had one professor who said, your job is to audition. Yes. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Until you're being paid to do something else. Your job is to audition. Totally. So so I think that I look at my auditions as my job right now. It is my job to go to my audition and do the best I can. Absolutely. Until someone is paying me to be on stage or camera or whatever the opportunity arises. Right. And my, my husband always said, uh, it makes him crazy when people say, oh, you're so lucky, oh, you're so lucky. And he was like, yes. But luck is just preparation plus opportunity. You can be as prepared as you want. If you never get the opportunity, if you get the opportunity, but you're not prepared, that's right. so. Yes. Oh, gosh. So fortunate and lucky. But we're also always working on the next. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I, I was actually just talking to my agent about this because he was like, I want you to think of this. I want you to remember that though I would love for you to get the job, even just getting in the room and getting in front of XYZ and making relationships with these people behind the tables is it's far more important than actually booking that particular show. And even how like you were explaining about about um, the potential to do war paint and then how, you know, that relationship led down the road to new projects. It really is. It's such a crapshoot, but but getting in the room. That was unusual though. Not they, the, a creative doesn't normally reach out and say, I love you, but that was unusual. 
So somewhere in your head, you have to have the strength to go, okay, I did the best I could. I felt like there was a good energy between us. Even though I didn't get this job, I think they're going to remember me exactly. in some way. Um, and that's, that's half the battle, but you're absolutely right. And I agree with your agent that making a good impression, you might not be right for something right now, but if you made a good impression and came and were interesting and authentic and, and fabulous in your own way, someone might say, you know that thing I was working on with that friend? You remember that guy who did that thing? Totally. You know what I mean? You might have made an impression for something later and be exactly right. Yeah, so now we just we just hit the grindstone and do the damn thing until, <laughs> until the next thing. This is corny, but every night I say to my, my family, okay, tell me one thing you're thankful for today. And I'm so glad I do that, not only for them, but it's also good for me. Like sometimes it's something stupid, like, Mom, I'm glad we had ravioli for dinner. Whatever. Yeah. It can be anything. But it's also a good, an exercise of gratitude to go, what went well today? As opposed to, it's so easy to go, what went crap today? But totally. it's harder to say, what went well? And I think yeah. that's also how we have to think of it in the arts. Like, what was good about that? Absolutely. Not, oh, God, I wish I hadn't cracked on that one note. You know what I mean? Who cares? That's a small potato. What went well? Right. Uh, well, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were just an absolute joy. I, I adore you, and I really, really I adore that... you. I, I wish that I was seeing you in real life instead of just over technology, damn it. I know. <laughs> we got to do it soon. And, my God, I would absolutely love to get the opportunity to work with you again. The last time Bring we it. did a show together, I was the swing, so I was off stage, so we weren't always on, but, God, I would love it. So thank you so much okay. again. You're just a, such a delight. I adore you and oh my pod you guys <laughs> You guys, don't forget to send me your emails at ohmypodyouguys at gmail.com. I'm so looking forward to sharing some stories. I want to hear theater mishaps that you've had, favorite theatrical experiences that you've had, not just theater. I want to hear about your pottery class you took. Are you painting again? What's inspiring you to sing in the shower? Did your mom one time have a personal run-in with Bernadette Peters? We want to know it all. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.